son? That had to be scary. I'm sure it was, but when she chose to love Jesus, her fear melted away. Please don't say that word, melt. I am excited to be chosen, and I choose to love Elsa whatever she wants to do with me. Hey, Dave, you want to build a snowman? Wait, I have a question. Was Mary alone while she was pregnant with God's son? Oh, no. Joseph, her fiancé, was there. I will continue to let the, the actors tell this part of the story, though. Joseph. Well, who are you? A messenger from the Most High, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her from the Holy Spirit, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save people from their sins. Who am I to be this boy's father? The Lord has chosen me for this task. And I will choose to lead this family. I better go get Mary. It's time to get married. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken over the entire Roman world, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went to Bethlehem. He went there to register with Mary, who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time had came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn.
So Mary gave birth in a barn? Wow, that's a special woman right there. This story is getting good. I must know what happens next. She sure didn't give birth at Mercier Cox. <laughs> My hat goes off to Mary. I will continue to let the actors tell the story. They're doing a great job anyways. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them. They were terrified, but the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. So they hurried off and found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. Wise men came from the east and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. On coming to the house, they saw the child and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Look at that same day. There's Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and the angel, all of them adoring the one who chose to be the savior of the world. He's just a baby. Tonight, but no one stays a baby forever. That baby is the son of God, and he will one day choose to die for the sins of the world. That's amazing, but will everyone choose to love Jesus in return? That's their choice to make. Dave, God hopes they will all choose Jesus just as he chose them, I will give, and they will, he will give them a gift of eternal life if they do. That sounds like a good reason to choose Jesus to me. Me too. If you choose, choose Jesus, you will receive a new life, an everlasting life in heaven. That is why Jesus came. That is why he was born. Personally, this makes me want to shout this message from the top of the tallest mountain. Me too. Let's do it.
Never thought I would say that I was proud of my son for being a snowflake. <laughs> Good job. Give him another hand. Good job. All right, if you would stand this morning, let's read God's Word together. Philippians chapter 2. This may not be your normal Christmas text this morning, but you'll see when we read it where we're going. Philippians 2, 5 through 11 is where we're going to be. Good job. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It says this, Have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to glory, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for our children this morning. Thank you for our children's department. And um, Lord, I'm thankful that, that uh, our kids don't, don't do a, a, a play this morning that's displayed upon the world or a secular theme, Lord. But they just tell the story of your birth because that's what's important. And so I'm thankful for them this morning and the message that it portrayed. And so be with us today as we work our, our way through this uh, passage, God, and that you will be glorified and honored in everything that we do. It's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So this time of year, um, last night at, at our house, I kind of tried to avoid people that came over. It's pretty much our family, but um, we, we, uh, we had a Christmas movie night. How many of you like Christmas movies? Pretty much everybody. This time of year, everybody kind of, I don't know, you get on Netflix or you have Amazon or I don't know, maybe you just have the old DVDs and you put them in and you start watching some Christmas movies. And there's several Christmas movies. Well, last night my wife had spent like, I don't know, several weeks preparing to have a Grinch movie night. And so everything in the house was green. I mean, she had green punch and green cupcakes and Grinch stuff everywhere, right? Uh, and and uh, we watched the, the Grinch movie. Uh, my favorite Christmas movie, I think, is, and she, she doesn't like it. She, Selena, doesn't like this. She, I don't know if she's ever even watched it with me. Maybe one time she mustered her way through it. I love A Christmas Story. They play it on loop, right? Most guys like A Christmas Story because we can relate to little Ralphie, right? Everybody can relate to little Ralphie. Guys can. And then we all wanted a, a Red Ryder BB gun when we were his age. And um, honestly, I think we need more boys with Red Ryder BB guns in our world, honestly. Uh, and, and so uh, I would encourage the boys there downstairs, hopefully they hear this, ask for a Red Ryder BB gun. Ask for a Red Ryder BB gun. And parents, buy them a Red Ryder BB gun. And even if they bust a few windows out, it's all in growing up to be a boy, right? Um, we don't need the bunny pajamas that little Ralphie's aunt gave them. We need more boys with Red Ryder BB guns. Um, but most, most Christmas movies that you see and that come out, they're all about Santa or Red Ryder BB guns or the Grinch or, you know, they're a holiday themed. Um, and, and, and we can get so drawn away from what... Christmas is really about, and, and Christmas is, it's great to have holiday movies, there's nothing wrong with any of that, okay, I'm not saying that there is, but that's not really important about Christmas. What really is important is what these kids just taught us right here. Uh, we know the real reason for Christmas, and that's Christ, and that's Christ. God became flesh, born, lives a perfect life, goes to the cross in our place, in our place, he takes the cross in our place, he dies for us, and... It all starts where? With his birth. Now, that is, our text this morning doesn't sound much like a, a Christmas story, but it is the plan and the purpose that Christ had when he came to earth in the form of a baby. So what's so special about this? Well, Christmas is the centerpiece of all history. Our calendar is dated. The calendar is literally dated 
by the birth of the Lord Jesus. It's the center point of everything. What is so special? Philippians 2 really lays it out. We have the greatest explanation the Bible has of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And this is really, this text, it's the foundation of everything that we believe. It is literally the foundation of everything that we believe. Here's the first point today. And this is the most important, not not the most important, but very extremely important. That God came to earth. That God came to earth. And I don't mean, when I say that, it doesn't mean that God looked down from heaven. God just didn't look down from heaven and see people on the earth scurrying about moving from here and there. No, he actually came and became flesh. In John chapter 1, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to read verses 1 through 3. And then we'll skip down and we'll read verse 14. 1 through 3 says this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything that was made. If you go down to verse 14 it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the Father full of grace and truth. So God comes down to earth. He walks with us. He literally becomes flesh. Jesus Christ is God himself that comes to earth. And look what it says uh, in Philippians. That confirms that. Philippians 2.6 says he was in the form of God. There, there, there's a whole bunch of ideas across the world about, what, about who Jesus is. And a lot of people have different opinions about who Jesus is. Some people would say that Jesus was a great man, that he was a great prophet, that he was a great teacher. But there's some problems with that. Jesus never claimed to be a great prophet or a great man. But who Jesus did claim to be was God. Jesus claimed to be God. How else do you explain the statements? There's all sorts of statements through the book of John. I'm going to read some for you. John 15, 23 says, He who hates me hates my father also. John 14, 7 says, If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Well, Scripture teaches us that no one's ever seen the father. Jesus is saying, If you've seen me, you've seen the father. You've seen God. That's what he's saying by that statement. John 10, 30, he says, I and the Father are one. See, fantastic fact about all of this. Jesus didn't start at the stable in Bethlehem. He existed, John chapter 1, what we just read, says he existed all since creation. He was in the beginning of creation. It's called, well, we talk about theology, the preeminence of Christ or the preexistence of Christ. That Jesus is all throughout. He's in the Old Testament. He's from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through. That's a very important fact about who you believe Jesus is. If you don't believe that Jesus is God and created everything, you don't have the right Jesus. There's people all over that worship the wrong Jesus. And if you worship the wrong Jesus, you can't have saving faith. You have to get Jesus right. Colossians 1.17 says this, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth. Well, hold on. The book of Isaiah says, God, God says, I alone stretched out the heavens by myself. Well, one, if Jesus isn't God, then that's a contradictory statement. Colossians chapter 1 would have to be wrong here. Well, no, but not if, we, not if you hold to the Trinity. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you believe in that, then you can understand how Jesus created everything. He's in the beginning. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and and in him all things hold together. He created everything. He's God. He literally is God in flesh. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, Jesus said, I am. It's an I am statement. When Moses is standing before the burning bush, and he's speaking to God. He's speaking to God. And, he's, and God says, go, go back to Egypt and lead my people out of bondage. 
You're going to be the instrument that I use to lead my people. And Moses is kind of whining around like, I, I can't do this. I'm not a good speaker. And he's kind of whining around. And finally he says, if, if they ask me who sent me, what should, what should I tell them your name is? And what did he say? I am who I am. God says, my name is I am. What did Jesus say? Truly I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. What's Jesus saying? He's saying he's God. He's saying, I'm God. People say, well, Jesus never accepted worship as God. Eh, wrong again. When Thomas, doubting Thomas, after Jesus had re been resurrected, Thomas says, I'm, Thomas is he's from Missouri, really. Show me and I'll believe it. Right? Thomas is from Missouri. Thomas says, I ain't believing this unless I can see it. Jesus appears amongst the disciples. He says, Thomas, I'm paraphrasing. Please look it up and read it later. Don't hold me that I'm quoting it word for word. This is Jeff's translation, hillbilly translation here. He says, come here, Thomas. Touch my hands, touch my side, and believe. Thomas sticks his hand in the nail marks in Jesus' hands. He sticks his hand in his side. And what did Thomas say? My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. He worshiped Jesus as God. Did Jesus say, Thomas, get off your knees, God? No, he did not. He did not. He accepted worship. Which would, if Jesus would not have been God, blasphemy? It would have been sin. When Jesus is going into Jerusalem, what are they doing? When he goes into Jerusalem before Passover, before he dies on the cross for us, Palm Sunday, what are they doing? They put him on a donkey, a colt. They are worshiping Jesus. Did Jesus say, I don't want your worship? Absolutely not. He accepted worship as God because he was God. So God came to earth. That's the first one. Here's the second one. When he comes to earth, he's flesh and blood. Now, if, if you were God and you were going to come to earth, how would you do it? Would you become a human? Would you become a baby? That's exactly what God did. Philippians 2.7, back in our text, it says, He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. The reality of Christmas was that Jesus Christ was a real man. Flesh and blood, bones, hair. He was a real person. He wasn't a myth. It wasn't a fable. It's, not just, it's, it's more than just a nice little story. The reality is that God came to earth. That God became human. The, what the verse I read in John uh, chapter 1 verse 14. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. When we think of God becoming flesh and blood. We should think that he became just like us. He was just like us in a physical sense. In four ways. Well he was born like us. He came into the world like billions of other babies, like everyone did. Now that, that must have blown, if you think about it, we had some kids up here dressed like angels. That must have blown their minds. Like, what are you doing, God? Like, what are you doing? There's not a flashy entrance. There's no red carpet. You would think if you were one of the angels worshiping God, that you would say, let us roll out the red carpet for you. Let's, let's blow some trumpets and announce your return. They're going to get to do that one day, though. They're going to get to do that. That's not how Jesus wanted to come at first. They had to have thought, what is he doing? What is he doing? He, no flashy entrance. He comes in the middle of the night in a little bitty village, a little bitty town. That Where's our innkeeper? He's probably downstairs. Our innkeeper, Brock. They walked up. You see Joseph walk up and Brock just went, I don't know, I don't know. No room here, buddy. That's how he came. He didn't even have a room. He literally slept in a stable. Not born to rich parents. His parents, who's his father? God the Father, the Holy Spirit, right? Mary is not even married yet. She didn't come from some influential family. Just a, a humble, humble place. Not born in a palace. Born in humble surroundings. But yet he's 100% God and 100% man. You know, he, was this, he, was, he became as a common, he came as a common man. 
<clears throat> excuse me, that should give us, you think about that, that should give you some hope this morning. You know what, if, if God would come as a common poor folk born in a manger, that should tell you that economically and social status just doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter to God at all. What else did he do? He grew up like us. Luke 2.52 says Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. We don't know a whole lot about Jesus' childhood growing up. He was born. He went through a normal growing process. Can you imagine, though, what it would have been like to have gone to school with Jesus? Or been his next door neighbor? You would think, well, he would never miss if he was playing basketball. He would... He'd win every game. I mean, I don't think, I, I think he, he set, uh, set aside uh, his, his um, godliness at points, maybe when he was growing up. Well, we don't know. We don't know for sure. We do know that when he was a young man, what did he do? He went to the temple and taught people. We do know that, that the father's mission was always the most important thing to him. We know he was obedient to his parents. When his, when his parents went back to the temple, and I wish the kids were up here for this part, right? <laughs> when he went back to the temple and they said, where have you been, Jesus? He said, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? And Mary was probably a little bit upset with Jesus because she hadn't seen him in a number of days. And he was obedient to her and went with her, went back with her. We don't know a whole lot, but we know from outward appearance, he was a, he was a typical young man growing up. Here's, here's a big one. You think Jesus doesn't understand what it's like to, to be to live my life? Yes, he does. He was tempted just like you were. Hebrews 4.15, just like we are. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You think, man, Jesus doesn't know what I'm going through in my life. Yes, he does. He was tempted in every single way that we are, yet without sin. So he understands what's going on in your life. He understands what temptations you face. He understands. Jesus experienced the same pressures that you and I do. The same desires, the same drives. He experienced the same temptations to lie, to cheat, to steal. He had the same drives, but he never gave in to them. He was tempted in the same way, but he never gave in. This is important because he can relate to you and how you're struggling right now. He can relate. He can relate. When we are struggling with sin... And temptation, who should we turn to? Him. Him. Because he knows how to defeat it. He defeated it. Not ourselves. Him. Here's something else that's important around the holidays. You think, well, I'm suffering. I'm in a lot of pain. You don't understand. It's hard for me to get together with family. I may not understand as the preacher, but let me say Jesus does. He suffered like us. He felt pain and disappointment. He got tired. You read, Jesus was exhausted at times. He was fatigued. He felt lonely at times. He grieved. When Lazarus died, shortest verse in the Bible is what? Jesus wept. He wept. He was human. At one time in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 28, he says, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. He knew what it was like to be in pain. He knew what it was like. He can relate to what you're going through. He can relate to problems and pain and pressures. He was God, yet he was also man. One of my favorite old gospel songs is, He was so much a man, so much God. Talked about how he thirsted at the well. Remember Robert, Mom? Remember Robert Morton, you sing that? I used to always request it in Robert Morton's group. Wish he was here this morning. Asa didn't hear he's sick, but worship team, learn. So much man, so much God. It's a good lesson for, good lesson for us to remember that song. It's good, because he was. He can relate. That's the reality of Christmas. That's the reality. He can relate. Third thing. Well, we got two more. He came with a purpose. What was his purpose? Go back to the text, Philippians 2.8. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So Jesus comes, born as a baby in a manger, and we're celebrating his birthday. But he went to the cross he grew, he had a, a three, four year ministry, he went to the cross and voluntarily laid down his life for us. Why in the world, why in the world would God, who never sinned, 
no wickedness, no deceit, nothing in him. Why would he be willing to go to cross? The worst device of torture that anyone's ever invented in the history of the world. Why would he be willing to go to the cross and die for us? You know what? Show us how much he loved us. That's the first thing. To, to demonstrate his love for us. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us, and while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. There's, you, know, there, you can talk about love all day, and you can talk, talk about all sorts of, there's different types of love in the New Testament, Greek words for love. There's no amount of love that I can explain to you today than what Jesus did for us on the cross. That's it. His motivation was love. If you want to know how much God loves you, look at the cross. Look at the cross. A lot of people here may give their life for friends or family or children. But the Bible says that God gave his life for us while we were rejecting him. While we hated him. Not when, not, not when we loved him, while we rejected him. He gave his life for us. When we were still sinners, before we knew him, before we were even born, he gave his life for us. That's love. What else? To pay for our sins. Here's, this is why he comes to earth. When you break a law, you've got to pay a penalty. When you break man's laws, you pay man's penalties. When you break God's laws, you pay God's penalties. What does the Bible say? The wages of sin, what you earn because of our sin, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2.14, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so he might die to sin, live to righteousness. By his wounds you were healed. Somehow, God's amazing. What he did 2,000 years ago can make a difference right now in our lives. That means we can be completely forgiven. You can be completely forgiven for everything you've ever done or ever will do. That's amazing. All because he was willing to come and be born. Jesus came to be the savior of the world. That's a fact. He gave up the glory of heaven. I mentioned the angels earlier. They had to have been thinking, Jesus, what are, what are you doing, God? Why are you doing this? He became a human being who was born as a little baby. He grew with pains, pressures, and temptations. He goes to the cross in order that we can be forgiven. That's the reality of Christmas. That's what it's all about. It all points to him living and dying. And the last thing, and I love this point. I love this. Because here's the, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter where you stand right now. With the Lord Jesus Christ. Because one day. You, may, you can say right now. I don't, I don't care. I'm rejecting this. I don't like this. I don't like the idea of this. That's fine. One day I promise you. You're going to confess that Jesus is Lord. That's what this says. We'll go back to Philippians. Philippians 2, 9-11. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him. And bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So the name of Jesus. Every knee will bow. It doesn't say a few. It doesn't say the ones that want to. It says every knee. Every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Where's that talking about? Well, those who are in hell are going to bow their knee to the Lord Jesus. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The cross is not the end of the story. We know that. He rose from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day, he came very humbly right now. When he comes back, everybody's going to know. There's going to be some trumpets shouting. He is going to be coming back. And he's going to be coming back to judge. But every knee is going to bow to him. I, listen, it doesn't matter if you're Presbyterian or Pentecostal or Methodist or Baptist or Buddhist. Whether you're an atheist or Anglian or Catholic, Scripture says pretty clearly, every knee is going to bow. It doesn't matter. Every knee is going to bow. Why? Because Jesus is Lord. Because he's Lord. And he's going to return and judge the world. I, I, I want you to look deeper into that verse, though. Not only is every knee going to bow, but what does it say? Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus is Lord. That's a fact. Everybody in here one day. Whether you don't like it or not, you can be as stubborn as you want to be stubborn. Alpha type A personality where nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm telling you, God's going to have your tongue confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord one day. Whether you like it or not, 
It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Some, someday, everyone throughout history will be called to acknowledge that fact. Every nationality, every age group, every male, every female, every religion will be called on to say Jesus is Lord. All the politicians in Washington will say Jesus is Lord. All the rock stars, Jesus is Lord. All the scientists, professors, businessmen, homemakers, factory workers, farmers, doesn't matter. Everyone will say Jesus is Lord. Everyone is going to admit that Jesus is Lord. So it's not the question this morning for you as I close this is not whether you're going to admit Jesus is Lord. The question is when. It's not whether you're going to. It's when. Now, you can either admit it now and believe and turn from your sin and trust in Jesus because you love him. And you need to do this. Whatever it is, right? They understand the opponent and you agree that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And you can turn to him humbly and say, Lord, forgive me. I believe that you are Lord and Savior. And he will save you and he will forgive you. Or you can harden your heart. You can, you can harden it. We can get through the holiday season. And we have to talk about Jesus at Christmas and Easter. And I can get through that and get to the 4th of July where we blow off fireworks. I like the 4th of July, but it's not Christmas or Easter. And we can get through the Jesus part, and I can harden myself today, and I don't keep living my life the way I want it. You can do that. God lets you do that. He'll let you walk out of here hard-hearted today. And I will tell you, one day, you'll remember this sermon when you're standing before God. He'll bring it to your mind. He'll bring it to your mind. Or you can admit it right now. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, the Bible says you'll be saved. You acknowledge you're a sinner in need of a Savior. You turn from that sin, you put your faith and trust in what Jesus did for you on the cross. He says he'll save you. He says you'll be saved. The greatest need in the world today is not a conservative president. Although I hope we elect a conservative president. It's not a politician. The greatest need in the world today is not military intervening on our behalf. The greatest need today is not capitalism. I'm a capitalist. I'm a business owner. The greatest need today is Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior of people's lives. Because you know what happens when that happens? Everything else falls into line. Your heart's changed. And everything else changes. If you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, I would ask you this. Where are you at on your sin? Do you agree with God that you have violated his law? Until you need something to be saved from, there's no reason to have salvation. Until you understand that you've sinned against the holy God. Not sinned against the preacher or the church or each other. You've sinned against God. When you realize you've sinned against God, you have something to be saved from. Now, you can either turn to your good works and say, well, I'm going to do more good than I am bad. If I tried to use that in a court of law, it wouldn't work. The judge would say, this has no bearing on the case, what you've done outside of breaking the law. You're going to jail. If you stand before God and say, well, God, I did a lot more good than bad. You say, what are you talking about? You broke my law. You deserve a punishment. If God's holy just and righteous, which we know he is. So you have, to, you have to realize you're in trouble. But if God paid your punishment for you and he paid your fine, that means you can be let go. You could be set free from that, that penalty. Just like if I owed a fine and I couldn't pay it, one of you all paid it for me, the judge could let me go. Not based upon what I did, but based upon what you did for me. God can let us go to heaven, not based upon what we did, but on what his son did on the cross. You can go to heaven. You believe that Jesus is God. You believe that he rose from the dead. You believe he died on the cross for your sins. If you really do, if you really believe that in here, it's not a problem confessing it out here. 
it's not a problem to live that out if you really believe it. If you don't believe it, it's a problem. Because then you become, eh, I live my life Monday through Saturday one way, and a totally different on Sunday. Do we have an invitation song today? Okay, I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. If you need me to pray with you, I will. If you want to come and pray. I'm going to tell you, hold on just a second, Steve. You're going to have an opportunity, guys, at Christmas dinners, at Christmas meals. We're going to open gifts Christmas morning. A lot of people will. You're going to have an opportunity when people are focused on Santa Claus to focus their attention to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have an opportunity. Maybe it's as simple as we lay out these big spreads before ourselves around the holiday meals. And I'm not against big spreads, church, okay? (laughs) We lay out big spreads, and you have the opportunity to say, hey, let's thank the one who provided this big spread. And you lead the family in prayer. Maybe that starts a conversation with somebody. You just ask somebody, hey, what's going to happen? What do you believe happens when you die one day? You think, well, that's going to ruin Christmas. No, I think Jesus would love for you to have that conversation with somebody at Christmas time. I think that would honor his birth more than anything. So, hey, maybe you need to have that kind of conversation with somebody, and you're, like, really nervous about having it, okay? You know what you do? You prepare ahead of time. You know how you prepare? By praying. Pray for that opportunity. So let's pray. If you need me to, if you need to come and talk to me, you can. Um, I'm not going to get close to you because, like I said, I love you guys, but I'm I don't want to give you my leprosy this week, okay? All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this church body gathering here today, Lord, to worship you. And Lord, as, as we're busy this week, about ready to celebrate your birth next week, I pray that's what the focus is on. It's good to have holiday parties and eat and all this stuff and have gifts. And it's all good, Lord, and it's, it's fine. You made every perfect gift and you made everything for us to enjoy. And I believe you want us to enjoy those things. But Lord, I, I pray that we bring the attention to you and what you did for us and why you were born. And Lord, we share that message and we give you the praise and glory. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
<clears throat> I want to thank you all for coming here this morning. Let me remind you, Wednesday night services, we have uh, a big meal at 6 o'clock on Wednesday nights. So we have classes at 645 for kids, youth, uh, and adults. So please come Wednesday night. Next Sunday morning, um, no no Sunday school. Let's just do worship only. Uh, so spend Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve morning with your families. 10 a.m. Uh, worship together uh, next Sunday morning, and, and then we'll have our candlelight service uh, that evening. So uh, here's the benediction today. Uh, it's from the book of Isaiah. So there's many, many prophecies about Jesus' uh, Jesus' birth. This is one of them. Uh, 600 years before Jesus is born, the prophet Isaiah wrote this, Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So it's kind of a treat for me uh, today when my parents are here. Um, my, my dad, I grew up in a Christian home and he served uh, as a church leader my whole life growing up and I was a deacon's kid. And so uh, when my parents are here, it's, I'm always thankful to get to see my parents in church because he's still serving at that same church where I grew up at. So dad, close us in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we do come before you, humble Father, for the the king is here now, Father. The king is here, and we praise his name. Father, watch over this church. Keep, keep it always in your care, Father. Help them to be the light in this city that it needs. And, Father, be with Timberidge that we might be the, the light there. Watch over us now as we go home to our families. And help us always to praise that the king is born. In Jesus' name we ask it all. Amen. Amen. I'm not shaking hands or hugging, but here's my hug and my handshake to you, all right? Love you guys. Have a great day. During the time of Moses, God commanded the people of Israel not to intermarry with, the, with those outside the Jewish community. The primary purpose was the protection of Israel's spiritual purity. Adhering to such a command is difficult under normal circumstances, but when Gentile armies from the massive Assyrian Empire overran the ten northern tribes in 722 B.C., obedience became nearly impossible. As a result, there was much intermarriage, some voluntary, some otherwise. The Jews of the southern kingdom of Judah consider the offspring of these mixed marriages worse than a Gentile. Because they were half-breeds. To the purebred, purebred Jew, the half-breeds who lived north of Jerusalem in the region called Samaria were dogs. Scum of the earth. A rotten stench in the nostrils of God. The feeling of disdain was so sharp that when a Jew traveled from Judea to the nor northern region of Galilee, he would often go far out of his way to avoid Samaria. But this is not what Jesus did. It says in John 4, chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 4, that Jesus needed to go through Samaria. Why did he need to go through Samaria? Because he needed to share the gospel with a Samaritan woman. At the well, with the Samaritan woman at the well, who would in turn carry that message to others in Samaria that would also get saved. So the title of the message is The Gospel is for Everyone. Jesus does not discriminate. So let's look at the contrast between these two people, between Nicodemus and this Samaritan woman. She was all that Nicodemus was not. He was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. He was a man, and she was a woman. He was learned, but she was uneducated. He was morally upright, but she was sinful. He was wealthy and from an upper-class society, and she was poor and probably almost an outcast. He recognized Jesus' merits and, thought, and sought him out, where she saw him only as a curious traveler and was quite indifferent to him. Nicodemus was serious and dignified. She was flippant and possibly boisterous. My point here tonight is it doesn't matter if you're a drug addict. If, you're, if you are an adulterer, a career criminal, or if you're a bank manager 
or a business owner or even a church member. The gospel is for everyone. Jesus doesn't discriminate. Jesus will meet you right where you are, which just happens to be here tonight. Just like the woman at the well, you can get saved regardless of your circumstances. So we're going to open up the altars tonight. If anybody, if there's anyone here or online, uh, perhaps maybe you're at the end of yourself. The world, the things that the world has to offer just aren't uh, attractive anymore. Tonight can be the night that you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ that will change your life forever. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Lord, uh, for the book of John, Lord, and I thank you how uh, you speak to us, Lord, through that book, Lord, and how you reveal to us, Lord, that, uh, uh, that you are the Son of God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for uh, the story of Nicodemus and, and the Samaritan woman, Lord, and I thank you for how you are a God who does not discriminate. Uh, that the gospel is for everyone, regardless of their circumstances, Lord. And so if there's a person out there tonight that does not know you, Lord, I pray that tonight would be the night that you would soften their heart, Lord, and that the gospel would penetrate their hearts and change their lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the altars are open. If you need to come forward, perhaps you need to surrender your life to Christ, or maybe you just need to come forward and, and speak to God at the altar tonight. Feel free to come forward. It was a, an awesome message. I would encourage you to go uh, to Freeway Sanford and watch that message. And uh, not only hear a good message, but just see how somebody from, from this program, from Freeway Ministries here, and just see what uh, God can do uh, uh, with uh, uh, a radically changed drug addict. And so he's using him. Uh, he's using him and his family in Florida. And so uh, if you would, go, go and check that out. And so... Uh, we want to invite you to church tomorrow. If you don't have a church to go to, we would love for you to come to Crossbridge Baptist Church. Uh, if you need a ride, uh, you can uh, just get with me, and, and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll make sure that you get to church. Uh, if you're not from this area, uh, uh, there's many other churches to get plugged into. There's uh, Crossway in Springfield, Spring Hill Baptist Church. Uh, there's church in Fairgrove, uh, Southern Baptist Community Southern Baptist Church, High Street Baptist Church, Ashgrove First Baptist Church, there's Timber Ridge not far from here, and Golden Avenue Baptist Church. Uh, we would love to see you in the morning. We have discipleship at 9 o'clock in the morning and a service at 10 o'clock. And so, uh, Paul Hines, would you come and pray us out, brother? Heavenly Father, um, I thank you for your word that will last forever. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for sweet worship and time with you, Lord. I thank you for the time you spent with Mike and to preparing a message, Lord, to, to just lead us to know you more. Lord, as we go out here tonight, Lord, let us shine bright. Lord, let us um, just be the community, Lord, and this church body that you've designed us to be. We thank you, and it's only in you we can ask and pray these things and give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.
job. All right. Good job this morning. Where's Ace? Ace is gone today, isn't he? And you guys just step up, right? All right, hey, I want you to pay attention to that because today we're going to be talking about, I'm really, am I loud? I'm really loud. And I, you, you probably just barely have to have me on because I'm loud anyway. Selene tells me I'm a loud mouth anyway, all right? But we're talking about church membership today and serving and using the gifts that God has given you. It's a good example. It's a perfect example right here. So be thinking about that. But I'm glad you're here this morning. I was in Tulsa on Wednesday when you guys decorated, and this looks amazing. Amazing. Whoever did all this, probably you guys, because we had that decoration night Wednesday, it looks great. So thank you. Did a, did a great job. I'm glad you're here. Let's open with prayer and then do our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, that we're here today, Lord, to serve you, to honor you. Lord, everything that we do it is about you. It is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about any elder, any deacon. It is about you. And so, Lord, we're focused on you this morning. We love you. We want to honor you with everything we do here. We want to give you the praise and you the glory. It's in your name I do pray. Amen. Take a couple minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone. Am I? job. You may be seated this morning. Krisha, where are you at? I know you're here. Come on up here. This young lady was, I think you baptized her the week. You didn't go to the river, did you? No. Uh, now, now listen, I thought it was, I, I think you chickened out because it was like 30 degrees out. So, <laughs> she was baptized. Hey, the baptistry works just good as the river, right? There's your new Bible. Congratulations, absolutely. So you're saying you didn't chicken out? You checked it. You guys believe that? I don't know. You guys believe them? All right. 
<laughs> All right, uh, here's announcements for today. Saturday Night Freeway, every Saturday night. Let me start off. Where, where everybody who participated in the Christmas parade last night? Selena and I couldn't go. If you were on the float or worked with that, please stand up. There they are. All right. Where's Dana? Okay, she's gone today. Okay. Thank you, guys. I saw pictures of the float. We were in Springfield last night. We couldn't do it. Amazing. If you haven't seen pictures of the float, go online on Facebook and look. You guys did a great, great job at the float. We promoted Crossbridge, and they promoted Freeway. So Freeway's every Saturday night at 5.30. We have dinner, and the service is at 6 o'clock. Um, we're sharing the gospel every single week. Every Saturday night, the gospel shared to a lost and dying world. That's where they're uh, promoting at the, the Christmas uh, float, our church Christmas float. Wednesday nights, dinner. If you don't normally come on Wednesday night, please come. We have a great time on Wednesday nights. We have dinner. We have cooking teams. When I say dinner, we're not feeding you like a cold sandwich. We have like five-course meals that these cooking teams cook. So we have dinner at 6 o'clock. Then we have classes at 6.45. We have young adults, um, kids, youth, the whole nine yards. We also have, thanks old buddy, we also have a prayer team that meets at 6 o'clock. So if you want to uh, come early uh, and pray, have dinner, you can do that. Please uh, come. We also have men's and women's Bible study on Sunday night. The men are starting a new study that they have a slide for this morning uh, over godly manhood. Oh, there's no video. Can... Max, come on up here. Let's act out the slide. You want to? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Boy, I'm a mess this morning, guys. So there's a, there's a Bible study, Biblical Godly Manhood, that starts tonight. A whole new class. Women's have Bible study at 6. So come on Sunday nights, fellowship with one another. You guys still eating dinner on Sunday nights, too? Man, so you get meal on Sunday night if you're hungry. It's just it's the way to go, all right? Grief share. Uh, grief share every Thursday night uh, here at the church from 6 to 8. So if you know somebody, the holidays are a rough, rough time for a lot of people because they've lost loved ones. And so grief share is meeting every Thursday night here at the church. It's a great ministry. It's all focused on Christ and connecting with people that have lost. So if that's you or you know somebody that would benefit from that, it's Thursday nights here at the church from 6 to 8. Uh, just a reminder, our new member class, so every quarter we have a new member class. It started this morning. It's about full, but if you missed out on that, come see me. You can start next week, uh, and it'll be the last time we can get you in on this uh, cycle. Today, work day at Crystal and Nikki's at 1 o'clock. Uh, are, are you meeting anywhere here or are you meeting there? Mean there what?